Inside Valley Life Church is a series of podcasts and interviews with members, deacons, and pastors to give listeners a fuller picture of all that's taking place in our church planting, disciple making church. And my name is Brian Bowman. And I'm Matt Walker. <laughs> Not Sterling Edwards again. <laughs> I guess Sterling's just working too hard. Yeah. Or I replaced him. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> He's working too hard. We'll go uh, why don't you go ahead and take the lead on this, Matt? All right. So we're going to recap last week's sermon. How'd you feel about it? Um, I was really happy that we did it because now I get to go back. I mean, I will be able to say, if you want to know more about our values, just check out that sermon from March you know, 28th or 26th. And that's why I titled this one uh, Valley Life Values. Okay. So we'll always be able to see, oh, yeah, that one on values, that's where it is. So essentially this whole recap, we're going to be going over our values. Yeah, beauty, brokenness, truth, compassion, community. So here's my question for you, Okay. even though you're leading this interview. Uh, do you walk around knowing what those five words are? Yeah. You don't have to remind yourself? No. Uh, it's No, it's it's uh, in a lot of my meetings. Like, oh. remember, we're beauty, brokenness, truth, compassion, community. Yeah. Um, what area are we hitting right now in this? So I, it is on there. There are occasional times where I'm like, which one goes where? Yeah. But that's just. I know that people are, you know, so much more likely to remember, make disciples, plant churches. It's shorter. It's action words and easier to remember. But undergirding that really are those five things. And I also think that we are uh, unique, somewhat unique in using a word like brokenness as one of our values. I mean, that's clearly a negative word, but we say we value that. Yeah. So like when I had, I'm skipping ahead, I guess, but when I had a meeting today with someone who's describing to me a story of real, like legitimate life-changing brokenness and poor decision-making that they've done, that, that isn't out of step with what we said we would be concerning ourselves with. Yeah. I think growing up, um, I was always surprised by like sin Yeah, and this has really helped me like, no, don't be surprised by sin. The world is broken. Um, we don't want to stay there ultimately, but there will be brokenness. Yep. So I think that's good. Okay. Well, let's jump back to beauty first. That was point number one I'm looking at. And you highlight Genesis one thirty one, which says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And, you know, I didn't, if I were preaching a whole sermon about, you know, our first value, I might go through and t- talk about the, the varied things that God made and said were good. It's just a good thing. Um, I was listening to a guy today and his, his point was it's good to be a man. And if you just posted that on Facebook, like you'd get trolled hot take. (laughs) Yeah. It's good to be a man. He goes, we already know, you know, our, our culture has accepted that womanhood is good. And his point is simply, so is manhood. It's also good. And he bases it in, you know, Genesis one, whatever it is where God created man and said, that's good. Man is good. Woman is good. The the All things together. He saw everything he made. And behold, it's very good. So it's just the goodness. You know, beauty is a stand-in word for, for goodness. And um, oh, what I was going to say is his point is it's not just it's not only right that men behave good, which is also true. But he said it's just simply good that you are a man. And, and also you should behave well, behave good and do good. But this isn't about doing good. It's about the way God made the world is in itself good. So how does that work out day to day here in Uh, our lives, in your life? What does that look like? Well, if you're talking about how do we value it, 
there's always a purpose. I mean, if you you know how much I like the words. Um, there's a word in Greek, and I don't know if I'm saying it right or not, but it's telos, and it means the the like the point or the end result of a thing. And the classic example is you can nail a nail into the wall using your watch, but that isn't what it's for. Right. It won't do a good job. That's not what the watch is for. All those sorts of things, because the telos of the watch is to tell time. Okay. So it, there's some beauty to that. There's also beauty in a hammer. Is a hammer beautiful? Well, I mean, to wear it around on your wrist, no. There's no beauty in that. But to use a thing for its intended purpose and to do a good job, there's beauty in that. So that gets into art. It gets into us trying to do a good job with our job. Yeah. So it's good that I'm a man and I just get to be male. It's also good that I'm a pastor and I want to do a good job, make a good church. It uh, takes me back to that one that says, uh, the proverb that says, do you see a man skillful in his labor? He will not stand before unknown men. He will stand before kings. There's all sorts of goodness in that, which is, the, you know, we're using the word beauty. There's very, there's so much beautiful uh, sentiment in that. That's awesome. I like it. So then we move on to brokenness. Yeah. For every beautiful thing. Is this like the exact opposite yeah. for every action? There's <laughs> yeah. For every beautiful thing, there's there's a well. My dad used to say, "Everything God has, Satan has a counterfeit." Okay. So that might be a good way to talk about brokenness. I, I don't ever want people to think I'm trying to avoid the word sin. Some people will use this specific word brokenness as a stand-in word because the word sin is so scary and off-putting to people. And I try to always say, because of sin. Brokenness is the result because of rebellion, because of whatever, our hatred towards God. The Bible says we are at war with God. God is at war with mankind. All that stuff is real, and it results in brokenness. I'm thinking off the top of my head right now, so I'm fleshing this out, so correct me, but is brokenness the continuation of that sin? Because not every sin continues. That's right. You may resin it. You may Can you say that? Resin. Yeah. <laughs> but brokenness is that continued effect. Sin does affect the fullness of our lives. Yeah. I mean, for thinking on your feet, that's a good thought. I, you also can say this um, specific sins happen within the context of brokenness. So you're saying post sin, isn't that brokenness? Yes. And pre sin is just as much. Yeah. I mean, it's other people's brokenness. It's the sins of Adam and Eve passed along to us. Sin is sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got brokenness. Anything else we should hit on there? Well, uh, the verse, Rome, I use Romans 3, 9. Um, I thought it was a poignant place to look in terms of brokenness because, like I was just pointing out, it's not just the sin itself. It's not just the ramifications of sin, but it's the whole context of sin where he says, none is righteous, no, not one. And he just finished saying, do the Jews have an advantage since they're the Jews and they get all the... No, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. When I use that, I was just trying to speak to the profoundness of brokenness. I like it. What's this Mark Twain quote you got? Uh, yeah, man is the only animal that blushes or needs to. Uh, you know, the animals do their job, which is what I was trying to use in the George Whitfield quote, which essentially says, why do the dogs bark at you? And he says, it's because they know that God is mad at you. <laughs> You know, the, the dog could be like, I'm doing my job over here. I don't have to blush about anything I'm doing. It's yeah. you. You're the one in rebellion. And you know that one verse in Romans, I don't know if you know this, but it goes, um, 
the whole earth is groaning, waiting for the redemption. So like, yeah, hey, this world was beautiful. And it is not. It doesn't work right. And it's because of mankind. And it'll get put back. Until then, you know, the, it's kind of a little joke here, you know, but the, yeah. the animals are mad at you about it. Yeah. So we've got the beauty of God's creation, the brokenness of sin and rebellion. What's next? Truth. Yeah, beauty, brokenness, truth. I liked it in the middle of the sermon. It kind of came to me. I said, I, I put, when I'm, you know, said these are our, our five values, I put truth in the middle because I wanted everything to spin around that pivot point. And truth is the pivot point. If you um, can accept that things have a telos, things have a meaning, a beauty, and that it's not, things aren't the way it's supposed to be. The dogs are barking for a reason. Will you tell yourself or allow yourself to be told the truth? Will you try to make up a truth and say that silly thing that goes, well, my truth is this and you need to live your truth? No, there is a truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. And he told he told the Jews, um, it's the truth that will set you free. So we're caught in a terrible cycle of beauty, brokenness. I'm trying to get back to beauty, and then we spin out in all sorts of other sinful things. That's what all the political movements are about, trying to fix broken stuff. But you're never going to get it fixed without truth. And Jesus said, it's me. I am the truth. Um, that's why some people have lately taken to saying the problems that we see about you know, shooters, the problems that we see with racist stuff and the, and the anti-racist movement, which has created all sorts of other troubles. All these problems are not about left and right. We should be thinking of them more in terms of up and down. What is heaven and what is hell? That's, that's kind of what this, you know, the idea of truth is. What is the truth? And we all get to that point. We have a decision to make it truth, right? Right. Yeah. But we're all going to get to the point of truth. Truth is, yeah, if you, if you are able to go, things are not the way they're supposed, there is a tended thing, things are not the way they're supposed to be, you will either accept or deny the truth about it. Okay. And Jesus is that truth. Is this the part where you say, um, you've said this to me several times, like, don't lie, but if you are, don't lie to yourself. Yeah, I actually said that in the sermon too. Uh, if you're ever going to lie, don't lie to yourself, because you'd start lying, you know, you lie to someone else. Uh, you got to repent of that. You can't just lie to people. You'll break. You'll break the relationship. But what does it mean if you lie to yourself and you break that relationship? That you get in some messed up stuff. And I've been there, yeah. where you start going, "Wait a minute, hold on." <laughs> now, which one is the real thing? And you can really hurt your mind. More brokenness. Yeah. Okay. So right after truth, then we move over to compassion. Compassion. Uh, I took a lot of time to point out that in English, that means to suffer with. Okay. Or at least in English, uh, it comes from Latin that w that would go suffer with. We tend to use it as a feeling. I felt compassion towards this person. But, you know, if you go through these scriptures that I put in here, every time uh, Jesus feels a feeling and then does something. He He felt this feeling, so he healed someone. Or he felt this feeling, so he fed someone. He felt this feeling, ultimately... He died on the cross and suffered with his people or suffered, another preposition, for his people. So what does that translate to us day to day? Uh, things are supposed to be a certain way. They're not that way. Let's face the truth, this all-encompassing this all truth that it is uh, 
that is on us. We're the sinners. We're living in a context of brokenness, not just individual sins and mistakes that have ramifications, but we're living in a war, a cosmic war between humanity and God. And God has written himself into the story of that brokenness and lived in the brokenness, you know, literally in a hay trough when he was born, um, in, in a problem situation, all that, he starts to suffer for us right off the bat and ultimately dies on the cross for stuff he didn't do. And that's where I pointed it to the great exchange, you know, Second uh, Corinthians 5.21. And when we put our values up on the wall out there, that was the corresponding scripture to compassion, that he who knew no sin um, for our sake became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he suffers for a reason. He doesn't just feel something. He does something so that we can have his righteousness and so that he can take our punishment. Now, there's a lot of churches or movements, you know, churches that are in movements that don't believe that and will vehemently deny what's called substitutionary atonement. Now, I didn't stand up and talk about substitutionary atonement on Sunday by those words, but I'm absolutely teaching it every Sunday. I want our folks, maybe they don't know um, what to call it, but I want them to smell a sermon and go, that ain't right. That's not, that's missing the part about Jesus in my place for my sins. This sermon has Jesus as a good example, and I should aspire to that example, but who's going to take away my sins? That's what I hope Valley Life people are, are uh, catching. Right. Without me using like theological terms. That's really, really good. I think, Yeah being a member and attender of Valley Life, I can see that and like, oh, I didn't know that word, but it was not new to me, the yeah. idea. So that's good. So that moves us to the last value we have here and that's community. Yeah. <laughs> so that word, I think if I was really happy to have a sermon, this sort of lent itself to me preaching on our values to get to the text because I want to cl- I wanted to clarify the word community because I think people think when we say that's one of our values they're thinking of the Tremonto neighborhood or they're thinking of the community of you know 500 people that come to church here and the thing that we're building together and those aren't misapplications of the word necessarily but they're not the best application of the word the community that I'm talking about has a lot to do with communion okay it has a lot to do with union with Christ so we, when we said beauty, that's because God created the world to reflect glory back to him like a mirror, and then humanity comes along and breaks the mirror. And we're in this war with God over us breaking the glory mirror. Truth, it, Jesus is the truth. We tell ourselves about the truth about our sin, the truth about him, and then he dies in our place for our sins. And we get back together, and the war is over. When we say, you know, um, we have been estranged from God, like... The um, prodigal son, come home. That's the union we're talking about. Now, you're in that union with Christ, and so am I. So now we're in communion. That's when you start to get into that idea of we're building a community. And, of course, we love our surrounding community, and we want to invite them into it. But like I've said before, we want to be a true church far more than we want to be a popular church. I would rather us be an unknown true church than a very, very well-loved church that doesn't know the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian or doesn't know the difference between substitutionary atonement and just trying to be good people out there. And I'm assuming, I'm going to ask this question, you want that for the whole church? 
from birth (laughs) to senior adult. Yeah. Uh, From birth in the way that we pray over those babies because we pray over those babies back. We're not trying to teach them. Correct. They can't retain all that. A silly exercise for the people back there, but it's not silly exercise to pray over them. No. It's not a silly exercise to love on them in the name of the Lord and all that stuff. But yeah, from birth to our senior adults, I want that for everyone. Uh, It's also important that not everyone who sits in church on Sunday is invited to take communion. I, I try to say every Sunday, if you're not a Christian, this isn't for you. It wouldn't do you any good to go through this silly motion, right? Um, if you are not walking with the Lord right now, uh, maybe you have become a Christian, you have been baptized, and you know you're walking in unrepentant sin, and you have not repented of it. This is not for you. And yeah. if it became super public and people have gone to you and gone to you, it may end up where you're invited, to, you know, told, demanded by the elders to not take communion. And like we've talked about before, we haven't got there yet. But... It, it's that. It's That's how important uh, communion is, to show that you are united with Christ alongside the other people, united with Christ. That's good. So that, that is our community. And that was the sermon. Uh, yeah, that was, you could call that the intro to the sermon. The intro to the sermon. Yeah, okay. because um, I then I went and said, well, what do, what do those values have to do with Paul's the little closing to his letter? And what it has to do with it is he said... Uh, in in chapter one, he said, I, I think you guys are all Christians through the body of the letter. He said, but there's some brokenness in this church. And of course, he's telling them the truth. And it is in Second Corinthians 13, eight, the last chapter, verse eight, where he says, we can do nothing except for the truth. We don't do things against the truth. So that was the truth. Um, compassion, Second Corinthians 5, 21, Jesus died in our place for our sins. And then that last bit, community. He sums the way he sums up and kind of signs off the letter is a good description of what he wanted for their um, for their community or the way they're united with Christ. And it was simply that. um, Let's see, where did I put all that for their restoration, their comfort, their agreement and peace. So that's what I pointed out is really he's talking about heaven on earth. He wants he wants, um, you know, kingdom come will be done in Corinth in the Corinthian church, as in heaven. So the way we live here as Christians, it's supposed to be what he what he says. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. And then he says, here's how. The God of love and peace will be with you. Uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So he laid out this big vision of what communion community with Christ should be in Corinth and it's the same thing it should be at Valley Life and then he says here's how you'll get it the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and that's the way we finish 2nd Corinthians that's good amen whatever you're saying it ain't nothing you can't repent of